Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Hello and welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Susan, and I am the person behind Shared Teaching. So if you are new to the podcast, my whole goal for Shared Teaching is pretty much what is in the name. I want to share all I know about teaching, and then I want us to collaborate and work together to, I know it's very cliche, but work smarter, not harder. I feel like especially these last couple years with the pandemic, we really need to be pulling together as a unit and helping each other out. So I am more than welcome and more than happy to do that for you, and If you have any tips and tricks that you want to share, please don't hesitate. This is your podcast as much as it is mine, and I would love for you to share with me. So if you can go to shareteaching.com forward slash podcast, you can see a Google form that you can fill out for any recommendations for future podcast episodes, or if you have anything that you'd like to share, if you want to be featured on the podcast, I can totally make any of that happen. So that's for your information. I'll put that out there. So this is episode number 43, and it should be fairly short and sweet because there's not a whole lot of depth on this topic, but I wanted to talk about coin identification because I know when we are moving to February, traditionally it's Valentine's Day and money (laughs) that is happening in our classrooms during this month. a whole lot of other things in between. But when I think February, immediately I'm thinking Valentine's and coins. Okay, so when I'm teaching money to second graders, there is a huge disconnect between them being able to do a word problem in money and knowing their coin identification. And if we take a look At the Common Core Standards, I don't know if you teach Common Core, but my state has kind of adapted it. We know that the idea of coins don't even pop up until measurement and data in second grade. And it tells us that we're solving word problems involving dollar bills, quarters, dimes, nickels, and pennies using the dollar and the cent symbols appropriately. And it provides us an example. If you have two dimes and three pennies, how many cents do you have? So right off the bat, if our students don't know the difference between what a dime and a penny is worth, How are they successful with this word problem? So really, we need to make sure that we are front-loading coin identification 
before we get to these word problems that talk about money. Okay, so the way I do this is I start with a coin assessment. And I know most of my kids already don't know their coins. I mean, not even the basic penny, which most kids get because it's the one brown coin. So I know that I have a lot of work to do in my classroom, at least this year, because now more parents are using debit cards. Kids aren't really given a, a good opportunity to like count coins. Maybe they're given dollar bills. You know, the tooth fairy's not leaving a handful of coins anymore. I'm hearing from kids that get like $20, $50 under their pillow. Wish I was that parent <laughs> and that child at that time getting that much money from the tooth fairy. But anyway, moving on so I'm not here all night. <laughs> so... There's a lot of really fun money activities for second grade that kids can do in practice, and I'm going to talk a lot more about that next week. But this week, I just want to focus on the identification of coins. So of course, you're going to start with an assessment, and I've used the same super easy assessment since I first started teaching over 12 years ago. I want to say I'm in year 13 now. (laughs) Unlucky 13, right? So... It's super simple, the way I like my teaching, and it works. And it's just a quick little half-page one-on-one assessment, and it only takes a couple of minutes for every student. So I'm able to make it through my whole class, quick and easy, down and dirty, (laughs) in, like, I wouldn't say minutes, but let's say, you know, an hour at the most, provided students are there that day. I've had a lot of absences. So to set up the coin identification assessment, we are going to have a pile of coins and you can use real or fake. I always use fake because I have so many on hand that I've collected over the years. So if you don't have any fake coins, you're really going to want to make sure you can source them somewhere. And a great way to do this is donors choose. I've gotten three projects, maybe four projects funded already this year. So people are out there looking to help teachers through Donors Choose. So if you're able to do that, try Donors Choose. Highly recommend it. But anyway, so they are given a pile of real or fake coins, and I just throw them in a pencil case, like just a plastic little pencil box, you know, nothing fancy. I just mix them all in there. I take a huge handful of each coin. I don't even count how many I have. And they're just in this pencil box that I designate my assessment box. And then I make a copy of the assessment sheet. And the way I created my assessment is that it's a duplicate half page. So you could do one page for every two students, but I like to do one page for every single student. The reason why is because I duplicate the information on the bottom half and then I cut it apart and then the parents have a quick note home. So I'm communicating with the families exactly what coins and values their child knows. And I do that as soon as that child finishes that assessment. I'm like, oh, wow, look what you did. Let's send this home with your parents. I also have a one-page sheet that kind of goes over more details about how students can practice at home, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. 
So I place this half sheet coin assessment on a clipboard so the students don't get distracted over what I'm doing. And I like to sit at a table with the students so that we can have some space to kind of spread out the coins. And if you want to take a look at the blog post, I do give you a picture idea of what this might look like in terms of the half sheet I'm using and the coins laid out. So it's shareteaching.com forward slash podcast, or you can go to shareteaching.com forward slash coin dash identification. Okay. So the student sits across from me because I want them to be focused on the task at hand. I don't want them to be distracted by what's on my clipboard, what am I doing? If they're sitting across from me, it's easier for me to kind of hide that information from them. And so then when I administer the coin identification assessment, I'm quickly asking each student to identify the coin by providing the name. So I will say to them, show me a penny. Okay, now show me a dime. Okay, show me a quarter. Now show me another penny. And I do this really quick, just as quick as I said it to you, and I'm pausing long enough for them to search and pull the coin over. And I do this until I've asked for each coin out of order multiple times. I'm trying to aim for at least three. And so I kind of keep a tally in my head. And if you wanted, you could do like little tally marks on your page. And I'm doing this because sometimes students guess it right the first time, but the second and third time, maybe they get it wrong. So that shows me they don't really know it. And if they get it every single time, then they are solid on identification of that coin. So it's just kind of weeds out the, I just took a quick guess and I might know it, I might not know it, people. (laughs) Now next, I move on to asking how much it's worth. So very similar to how I'm asking about what the coin is, now I'm asking how much it's worth. So I don't say the name of the coin. I simply pick one out of my box, put it in front of the student, and I said, how much is this coin worth? And then they should be able to tell me, one cent, five cent, And sometimes the students can, if you give them the name of the coin, they might have already memorized it. So we do a coin poem in my class. So as soon as they're hearing like penny in their heads is clicking, oh, penny, penny worth one cent. So they are associating that with the poem that they memorized, not necessarily like, do I know this coin in front of me? So by me not telling them the coin name, I'm also eliminating those kids that might have already memorized the poem and know exactly how much that coin's worth based on just their memory. So I try really hard not to give those things away, right? It's kind of like when you're giving a um, cold read of a story and you give the kids all the vocabulary words. Well, now you don't know if they know those words or not because they just you just gave them that word and they read it like five more times. So anyway, that's just my personal preference because I want to make sure I'm very clear on what they know and what they don't know. So um, that's how I do it. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. So the coin poem I'm talking about is really cute. It's on a many, many Pinterest boards. And if you go to TPT, there is a free one in the store by Tracy Clausen, 
T-R-A-C-I. C-L-A-U-S-E-N. I like Terz the best because it didn't have a fancy font. It's easy for kids to read, but feel free to browse around. Just type in like coin poems and see what comes up that you like. And we actually in my class don't teach that poem until I've obsessed them first. And maybe they learned it in another class, but that's why I'm avoiding that, that coin name. Okay, so now I have my assessments. Hopefully all the class has appeared at some point and I was able to grab them and ask them what their coins and their values are. So now the best way I like to look at my assessment data is to look at the whole class at a glance. So I also have an assessment tracker for this purpose that's located in my coin identification assessment product. And it's just a very quick and easy, you know, like roster. So simple, very easy to do. You could easily create your own. And I'm just looking for which students are similar, where are there any gaps. So a lot of students, it's very common that maybe they don't know the nickel and the dime. By putting it on this spreadsheet, I can see easily how many kids don't know both of those, like they've confused them. Or maybe like there's a sudden explosion, like I was talking about earlier, where kids are not even knowing the penny. That's going to tell me where I can start my teaching, and that's going to inform my decisions going forward with how much class time I need to give to teaching coin identification before I just kind of let kids run wild with, with the money centers. Okay, so after I've analyzed the data, I want to make sure I'm informing the parents. So as I talked about earlier, the identification assessment is a little half page. So you tear off the bottom half and you duplicated what you wrote on the top half. And truly, it only takes like maybe 30 seconds to like do the quick check marks and write the kid's name and then hand it to the parents so they can see the score. So then I also like to attach it to a new page that I created, I believe it was last year, that kind of gives an overview on how what the what the assessment was in the class and then how the parents can help that student at home. So just a really quick like here was their, you know, quote unquote test. Here now is how you can help support me at home. And admin loves that kind of stuff. So whenever you can keep a copy of that and put it in like your portfolio, if you have to do like um, an assessment binder or something like that and show them at the end of the year, then that's a good place to hold on to those kind of things and keep a student copy. Okay, so now we've assessed, we've analyzed, we've informed parents, we're finally ready to dive into teaching our coin identification. So if you're like me and you teach second grade, you're not going to spend a whole lot of class time on this because it's technically not one of your standards, but it is a prerequisite for what students have to know in order to do that money word problem I was talking about earlier that's first introduced in Common Core starting with second grade. So I will spend the course of several weeks um, having money centers kind of run in my background, but it might not be the main focus of my math lessons that day, especially since I have a math curriculum that I have to follow. So hopefully that makes sense. So the way I introduce 
coin identification after the assessment. Don't forget, assessment has to be done before you dive into the rest of this. I have all my class do a coin book. So I created this like so many years ago. I think it was like my first year teaching. It was before, I mean, there was horrible word clip art. Like there was none of these like cutesy TPT sellers that made this you know, amazing things with clip art. There there weren't so many artists that you could find the clip art for. So way back in the day, I found a cute outline in some teacher workbook that I had that I photocopied and like whited out the middle so I could have like a blank title page. And then I literally just like duplicated it five times. And then I took a masking tape roll And I drew, you know, with my fancy marker, (laughs) I drew circles onto each one of those pages. And then I wrote the coin value on each of those pages. And then over time, I stopped writing the value and I had the kids write it. And they would just like copy what I was doing from the smart board, which in those days were an overhead projector. So some of you out there might feel me. So anyway, so they have these cute little, you know, outlines of these pigs and on the front just says like my coin book and it has their name and then they color it, you know, pink or whatever color they want because it's, you know, a pig and then they open it up and it's like stapled. So it's like a shape cutout book, right? And they open the second page and then that's where their big circle is. And so we look very thoroughly at coins. So I show one each day and I show a very enlarged coin using my document camera and we discuss the fine details that we see. Like we examine it very closely as a whole class and then we talk about it and then I pass one out to each student with a little mini magnifying glass. Now I ordered these years ago from a science website It was also a donors choose funded project, funny enough, like, I don't know, second, third year of teaching. And I still have those. So they're just, you know, itty bitty, like three inch big magnifying glasses that get, you know, they're plastic, they get scratched very easily. But the kids find it really fun, like, look through those and examine their coins, right? And we talk about, you know, how we're detectives and we're finding all the details and I make it, you know as exciting as it can be to be staring at a coin with a magnifying glass. (laughs) But we look at all those things, we talk about them, they discuss them as partners, and then they draw them. So they draw the head and then they draw the tail. And we draw all the things, they write all the words, we talk about the meaning, we talk about like, oh, this guy has short hair, this one has long hair and a ponytail. We compare the differences each day we do a new page. So every day we're repeating the process for one additional page. So each day we're only drawing one coin and we're also reading that coin poem I talked about earlier. So we're reading the coin poem, we're drawing a a coin, and then the next day we do the same thing. We read the coin poem again and we draw the next coin until all coins are done and we have our little stapled book completed. And then I also like to hang up the my money posters when we've reached the end of this book. And then I want to make sure that I have also 
assessed all my students before I hang the money posters up. Because again, I'm kind of a stickler when it comes to assessments. I don't want kids to just look over at the poster and be like, oh yeah, that's the penny and tell me it's a penny because they looked at the wall. Okay. So I am very clear (laughs) with my assessments and I really try hard to make sure they really know it. They're not just like relying on other things to give me the answers. If it was a test or something, like I would be celebrating, yes, like you could look at the wall, you could figure it out, you're helping yourself. But when it comes to initial assessment on how they know their coins, I want to make sure that I'm not influencing it in any way. Okay, so we've assessed them. We've looked closely at each one of the coins and we've taken the week to draw these coins and make our little book, read the poem every day. And by the end of that week, most of the students, if not all of the students, will have memorized this poem. I do it every single year. So once I start reading it with the kids too, I'm like, oh yeah, now I remember what it says. And it's just, it's a cute poem. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen it many, many times, but it says, Penny, penny, easily spent, copper brown and worth one cent. Nickel, nickel, thick and fat, worth five cents. I know that. Dime, dime, little and thin. I remember you're worth 10. Quarter, quarter, big and bold. You're worth 25, I am told. Now it says I'm told, but I like I am told. I think the beat goes better. Again, personal preference. Um, The one I linked a copy to does say I'm, but I'm okay with kids saying it either way. I just happen to like saying I am. So that is the coin poem. We say it every day. We discuss its meaning, and then they're starting to connect it to what they've drawn, what we've talked about, how the poem goes, and they can connect all the pieces that way. Okay, so... Last, of course, is to introduce the coin identification centers. And I have quite a variety that I've created over the years. And a lot of the coin centers you want to have are using that fake money manipulative. I find like that engages students like no other. So the more things you can create using those, the better. And when I get to my classroom tomorrow, hopefully I will remember to take a bunch of pictures and I'm going to share with you my favorite ones I've created over the years in next week's blog post. But in the meantime, once you're starting to identify and start practicing the coin identification, you want to make sure that kids are staying engaged and on task during centers. So I recommend highly that you're only introducing one new activity a day. So you want to make sure the kids are getting a chance to practice that activity before you're adding a second one. So if you do like two or three activities in a day, they might get confused between how to play each one. Now, if they're super easy, then maybe you can do one as a math warm-up and one at the end before you release them into groups. If you're lucky enough to have like a group center time for your math, I don't. Mine kind of gets lumped in with um, my reading. But you want to make sure you're taking it slow that kids really understand how to play that center before you're introducing a second center. And I like the idea of using them as part of your math warm-ups for the day. So you're introducing a new center instead of your traditional math warm-up or your number talk. 
And then that's going to allow students to be able to model and practice that center under your supervision, maybe even with a partner. And then you can kind of tweak as you need and be like, excellent, you got it, you're ready to handle more, or okay, maybe we need to like revisit the rules of that center. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. This was Coin Identification, episode number 43. Stay tuned for next week when I'm going to talk more in depth about how exactly I am teaching my money activities to second grade. Bye for now. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast.